Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by our fearless leader, our managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm packing my bags, getting ready to go to Kansas City for the Big 12 basketball tournament. You're getting ready for pro day here. Uh, You and Jeff Howe. Well, checking to see if anyone other than Josh Thompson and and Cameron Dicker can impress NFL scouts who will be in Austin for Pro Day on Thursday. And so, you know, it's it's big times, big happenings. We're two weeks from the start of spring football. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, this is just the start of what's coming. March Madness right around the corner. I mean, it's a fun time for sure. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, obviously, the uh, we mentioned Cameron Dicker and Josh Thompson. We talked about them a little bit going into the NFL Combine, but they both show well. Uh, Josh Thompson, uh, corner for Texas, runs a 4-4-3 in the 40, and Cameron Dicker makes all 15 of his field goal attempts at the NFL Combine. So I, the scouts I talked to said, they both helped themselves. Yeah. That's they themselves some money. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we had Cameron Dicker on the flagship podcast um, last, not this past Monday, the Monday before that. And, you know, he kind of talked about the possibility of getting drafted or undrafted. Like sometimes, you know, kickers and punters will a lot of times do that. You know, Phil Dawson was one that that was a situation for Cameron Dicker talked about him speaking with him and, you know, also, you know, his communication with Justin Tucker. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of if there is a team out there that would take him as a kicker, as a, as a draft pick, but from everything, it sounds like Josh Thompson really could have bolstered his draft status, which is huge for him. I mean, he, as we mentioned last week, you know, you said it best, you know, I think that his best football is still ahead of him. And, um, you know, just him having the versatility as, you know, the experience and versatility playing pretty much every position in the secondary, that only helps him. But really his natural position is corner. Um, and you saw him continue to grow in that later in his career at Texas. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they show out of pro day, you know, if they go through all of the workouts too. I mean, four four three is pretty good 40 for a cornerback, you know, so um you know, a lot of times if people have good numbers at the combine, they may not do the same, you know, drills or anything at pro day just because they're content. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but no doubt that they help themselves, I think, too. Yeah. And then the pro day participants, um, Darian Dunn, Brendan Schooler, uh, Ben Davis, Ray Thornton, Derek Kerstetter, Cade Brewer, Jacoby Jones, uh, Denzel Okafor, Justin Motter, the the snapper, 
and Gabriel Watts in the backup running back. So um, if you have forgotten who the uh, departed seniors were from the 2021 football team, there they are. And I'll put Ben Davis down as a guy who, who might, uh, who might surprise, maybe, maybe impress some people, get a, get a look. I agree. I totally agree. I think, you know, I mean, remember, I know that Ben Davis came in very hyped as a transfer, you know, um, coming out of Alabama, coming to Texas. Um, but he did have that, that foot slash ankle injury that really sidelined him. A part of me wonders if he was ever truly able to be as good as what he could have been at Texas, just because that kind of lingered for a while. And Steve Sarkeesian admitted that during the season, even, you know, I mean, I think it was supposed to be a six to eight week type of injury, I believe at the time when it happened, but um, you know, Sark in the middle of the season did mention that it was still kind of a lingering issue. So I totally agree. I think, you know, as long as he is healthy, I think you, he may be somebody to watch as somebody who can totally improve their um, draft stock with a good pro day showing. Other guy um, I would put on that list is Darian Dunn. Mm -hmm. I thought he had some good moments uh, at corner for Texas in a, in a supporting role. Right. And has good measurables. Um, obviously found himself in a bit of a traffic jam at corner with Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jameson. Uh, but Darian Dunn is a guy, I think, um, and Cade Brewer. I mean, look, we've, we've seen Andrew Beck. We've seen Jeff Swaim uh, come out of the Texas program when no one really thought they had much of a chance uh, to make it in the NFL at uh, the tight end position, and and they have. So Cade Brewer's healthy, uh, which has always helped him. He's a good athlete. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so – Taylor, obviously two weeks to spring football. And um, we've we've talked uh, a lot about uh, Isaiah Nayor, uh, the Wyoming transfer receiver. And I wrote in the morning brew this week that I think uh, Troy O'Meary is going to benefit from having Isaiah Nayor uh, on the Texas roster because Nayor kind of looks like Troy O'Meary, both six foot three receivers. Um, Nayor's a little longer, a little leaner than, than Troy O'Meary, who's 220. Um, but you know, Troy O'Meary, this is a, this is a fascinating spring for him. He's still trying to get back from the second knee surgery he's had at Texas that, um, basically, um, he's had two season ending knee injuries at, uh, Texas to start his career. And, he didn't get to show much to, to this coaching staff. And he actually has a new receivers coach uh, now that he has to prove himself to with uh, Brennan Marion. And, and this is, this is like, he's starting over again, you know, and, and we'll see. I mean, I think it's a blessing that Texas has Isaiah Nayor uh, coming in to, to be able to, um, help fill a huge void for Texas. We talked about all the receivers who are no longer with this team. Um, but uh, Troy O'Meary was a guy who two years ago uh, was the buzz of fall camp. He has the ACL tear, misses his freshman year, comes back. Rehab was a little, you know, it didn't go maybe as smoothly as Troy O'Meary thought it should. I'm not sure he trusted his knee. We saw him out there with a big clunky brace on. 
Um, you know, he, he went to a smaller brace in fall camp, but then he injures uh, the knee again, surgery. And, and so we don't know if he can regain the form that he had that freshman year in that fall camp when he was, you know, making these crazy catches and, and had risen to the top of the, the depth chart at the X receiver position. So, uh, but I do think that Isaiah Nair is, is uh, it's going to be good for Troy O'Meary to, to watch and learn from him and, and be pushed by him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I think that it's, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but it's kind of now or never a little bit for Troy O'Meary because, you know, I, I think it was pretty obvious, Chip. Obviously, we didn't get to see all of fall camp practice, um, you know, going into the 2021 season, but we did watch a decent amount of it. And you could even tell from a distance that Troy O'Meary was favoring that leg. And I think that he just truly didn't trust that he may have, be good to go at that point. And usually that's when people hurt themselves worse, you know, when they start um, reacting or being like, you know, kind of hesitant in their normal movements when it comes to going through drills, you know, uh, running routes, anything like that. And I think that's probably what happened, but he's got to step up, you know, he's got to, obviously he's got to get healthy first, number one. And so it'll be interesting to see where he is on that spectrum, you know, in, in uh, spring practice, um, but the other thing is too, is, is he has, he had all the hype in the world. As you mentioned, I mean, in one week he rose to the top of the depth chart as a true freshman entering, uh, you know, his first year at Texas, he wasn't even an early enrollee or anything. I mean, he was a summer enrollee, I believe. And so he's shown that he can do it, but now it's kind of like, he's quickly becoming the forgotten receiver. I mean, honestly, if you, when uh, there was a few weeks ago, you and I were talking about the receiver depth. And we were like, I was like, oh, I kind of forgot about Troy O'Meary. And that's not a good thing. You know, when you're entering your third year um, at the college level, you know, you don't want people to be forgetting about you when you had such an a, an early, like, you know, shining type of moment, especially in fall camp as a, as a you know, true freshman. So this is, it's, it's now or never, I think, for him, Chip. Would you agree with that? Well, I would say yes to that, except for the fact that Texas hasn't recruited well enough at receiver yet for for him to be so far down the line. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, where if you you look at some guys like Darian Dunn at the cornerback position last year, it was hard for him to get on the field. If Troy O'Meary comes in and can move like he was moving as a freshman before the knee injuries, then he's going to have a chance because he's big, strong, fast. He's got good hands. You know, I'd heard that he wasn't picking up the concepts as quickly as the coaches would have liked last year. So now he knows that he knows that he needs to pick it up. So you'd hope that's what he's been doing in the offseason, that he sees that Josh Moore has moved on, that there's, you know, Alvante Woodard moved on. There's there's opportunity. I mean, we how, how long have we been talking about Marcus Washington and um, and when's he going to step up? and and it's just been inconsistency from, from Marcus Washington. So that door is still open for Troy O'Meary, but he needs to, to come in this year and, and show what he can do. I mean, I like Kelvante Dixon. I don't know why he isn't getting a little more love because he's made some big third down catches. He had, you know, he's, he had a 70 yard uh, touchdown catch as a freshman in that Alamo bowl against Colorado He's made some plays in a game. Troy O'Meary needs to 
to take that step first and then, you know, show that he is indeed that tough mismatch physical receiver, kind of like Isaiah Nayor has shown already at Wyoming, 12 touchdown catches last year. I think this is uh, a good situation because remember when Troy O'Meary was a freshman, you had Brennan Eagles and Tariq Black ahead of him, two guys who were like, not the best in terms of their work ethic and their attention to detail and, and, you know, film study and all that. Isaiah Nayor wants to be in the NFL. He wants to be a big time receiver. He puts in the work. He's going to be a good uh, role model for, for Troy O'Meary. And um, as you can tell, I am all in on Isaiah Nayor. So, you know, I, I start to sprinkle out my, my guys who I think can have an immediate impact. Nayor is definitely on that list. And, and this week I'm going to add Ryan Watts to that list, Taylor, because I'm just hearing, I'm hearing, you know, too many things about how well he's, you know, performing and moving and the confidence that he carries a six foot three corner who's played at Ohio state has made plays in games for Ohio state. So, um, there you go. There's a, there's a couple of nuggets. Yeah. I was going to say, as long as you don't start the, you know, Isaiah Nair is a so-and-so starter kit. Cause I swear when chip that, that is a, if you go through chip every off season, there is one player he considers a starter kit, <laughs> not to call you out chip, but a lot of times it doesn't pan out. So yeah, it's almost a kid's <laughs> So Isaiah Nair is a very hyped up potential, uh, you know, big time playmaker. No starter kits, right? I'm not saying that. Yeah, no starter kit. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, had to, I had to rip on you a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and Terrence Brooks is is moving up that. You know, mm -hmm. he's not there yet, but man, I'm hearing good things about Terrence Brooks. And both he and Ryan Watts are from Little Elm, Texas. There's there's got to be a nickname in there somewhere, but. Um, I mean, Taylor, they need someone to step up at corner. Oh, 100%. Yeah, especially losing Josh Thompson. I mean, like we've – and I think that Josh Thompson's been my guy that I always talk up a little bit because I feel like he never truly got the respect that he did deserve, especially later in his career. I mean, like he he showed up big time in games, um, you know, last season too, but the defense and the secondary was such a mess aside from him that I feel like – it totally got overshadowed, but that's a huge loss. And that's it. That's a gaping hole, I think, in the secondary, which is already kind of a question going into the season. Um, you know, I think safety is a little bit more of the concern, but for sure, cornerback chip, I, I totally agree. I mean, these, these guys that are on campus have the opportunity now to make a, a name for themselves and make a statement. And obviously I think Ryan Watts may be, you know, the, you know, probably the one that's going to fill that role immediately. But Terrence Brooks, as you've, you know, you've reported over at Horns 24-7 um, a number of times since the winter conditioning began, there's been nothing but really positive glowing remarks about him as, you know, just his work ethic, his his ability, you know, and his potential. So this is going to be fun to watch. But, the, but Texas needs one of those two, if not someone else, to really step up and fill the void that Josh Thompson um, is leaving for sure. And I think the, the fact that they've, you know, they've now got Keaton Crawford from, you know, the cornerback position at safety, they're taking a look at him there. Uh, maybe Terrence Brooks uh, can, can bring to that position. You have, you know, Jade Barron still 
Uh, of course, Deshaun Jameson coming back for his COVID-19 redshirt season. And then, you know, at safety, we've talked about that some here on the flagship podcast that Anthony Cook, who started off his career at Texas as a corner, moved to nickel, uh, now getting a look at safety, uh, which I, I like that. I mean, Anthony Cook, I didn't want him coming off the field last year because I felt like he was one of the more consistent performers and you know, they would take him off the field when they would go to their heavier look or three linebacker look. And, and there weren't enough plays being made at the safety position to take Anthony cook off the field. They should have been, you know, moving him around, but that's, that's then this is now. And, and so, uh, it's going to be fun. It's gonna be fun. And, and BJ Allen, the early enrollee freshman, uh, we got to see how he can digest everything and process once he gets out on the field but physically he's ready so that's that's big time you want you want your freshmen to come in look like they have been in a college weight room look like they know uh what they're doing and 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 brian allen has that so let's see how he can process and and see if he's a playmaker um you know when spring ball starts absolutely no doubt about it it's kind of interesting chip have you looked so texas has unveiled the the spring football roster, which is actually pretty early. They usually don't put those out until right before spring practice. So I appreciated it. Gives us something to talk about a little bit, seeing these guys uh, measurables. But, you know, when have you seen, have you looked at their new roster? Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting if you go from number zero through nine to see how many new faces and new players are on this. I mean, you know, just seeing that roster in itself right now, Chip, I was looking at it the other day. This is totally random thought, but was looking at it the other day and I was thinking, well, considering like, you know, Sark has said that there's going to be essentially a roster overhaul and to get their guys in literally there's, I think eight newcomers that have numbers, uh, one through nine on the roster. So that's pretty, uh, telling of, you know, kind of the, um, you know, I think of just the roster turnover that Texas has entering spring, which is a good thing, um, because they, they definitely need some of these guys to get, their feet wet and get used to, you know, um, being at Texas and uh, getting used to the schemes on all at all three phases and um, learning that game. But, you know, that it's kind of crazy just to see that. And then knowing that there's still 20 some more people probably coming, I believe um, in the, you know, in the summer, but uh, you're starting to see if you, if you go over to texasports.com and look at the Texas roster, you're starting to see the roster overhaul just literally in the first, 10 numbers that are listed on the roster. And so it's kind of funny to, to look at that. Yeah. And, um, number nine you mentioned is, uh, Jaleel Billingsley. And I thought, you know, you always look at, uh, what these guys are weighing and Jaleel Billingsley is listed at two fourteen. and he's at the tight end position. So I think it's clear he is going to be, uh, in that role, that down down the field um, stretch tight end with Juan Davis, and and then you're going to have Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm, who are both you know closer to 250, right? As the H back blocking tight end, and ob- obviously you want a guy who can do both, right? Um, and they feel like Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm can both you know be those. Uh, multi-talented H-back blocking and catching tight end. So 
that's a completely blank slate. As we know, mentioned Cade Brewer will be at pro day. He's getting ready uh, for, you know, his shot at pro football and Jared Wiley, uh, the six foot seven, 251 pound uh, specimen who, you know, could never stay on the field at Texas because he wasn't, um, you know, he just didn't seem to love contact. He's now at TCU. Right. So, you know, he's with Sonny Dykes and we'll see what, uh, what that situation brings. But tight end is another uh, position, as you mentioned, in the, you know, when you look at those first uh, uh, nine numbers on the roster, Jaleel Billingsley, uh, the Alabama transfer number nine for the Longhorns. Yes. And Jatavian Sanders also switched numbers. He's now zero. He was number three. Quinn Ewers took over the number three uh, jersey. So anybody that thinks Jatavian Sanders, you know, uh, Larry Turner Goodens then number three as well on the defensive side of the ball. But I know there's been some talks on the Horns 24-7 message board about Jatavian Sanders needing to move to the defensive side of the ball. Clearly, that's not going to happen because DeMarvian Overshawn is also number zero. And then he didn't, you know, get the number three on the opposite side. So Jatavian Sanders is definitely, um, you know, for any of the message board users that were saying he needs to move, unless something changes in spring, he's not moving. He's going to be, you know, competing for that tight end role. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he's, this is the time is now. I mean, mm-hmm. he and Gunnar Helm are, are the, the leading, you know, the two names I hear the most of, of the guys who can step right in and take over for Cade Brewer. You mentioned Quinn Ewers and, you know, we'll, we'll hit this and then uh, move on to, to basketball and baseball, but Quinn Ewers and Hudson card um, co-starters. I mean, they, they, you know, in the quarterback room, the starter sits in the front row, second teamer, second row, they both sit in the front row. And so interesting that Quinn Ewers, who's only, you know, taking uh, two college snaps, both handoffs, um, you know, is already seen as a co-starter in the eyes of Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff and Hudson, Hudson card. He's got, he's got starts under his belt. He's got lots of game experience. Um, but Quinn Ewers already being treated like a co-starter. Lots as in <laughs> like how many games did he play in five or six last year? But right. that, that just shows like the inexperience at the position. I mean, he has two starts under his belt, um, you know, but yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and honestly, at this point, Chip, it should be that way, right? I mean, even I think even if Casey Thompson would have stayed on campus and gone through spring, I still think I mean, Sark was pretty clear about the there's going to be a quarterback competition like nobody won the job last season. So it's not necessarily surprising to me, um, you know, that Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carter, you know, quote unquote, co-starters right now, um, just because, I mean, that Sark's following through with what he said. I will say, though, it, I, I've said this, um, I think it was last week we were talking about it, but, you know, Quinn Ewers is being promoted all, like heavily <laughs> by Texas uh, for not being named a starter. You know, I mean, just the, you could go back to the video of him and Xavier Worthy and, um, Jake Majors and DeMarvian Overshone at the women's basketball game two weeks ago um, against, I guess it was against TCU, I believe it was. Um, but, you know, Quinn Ewers, among all of those players, Xavier Worthy, obviously well-known player, DeMarvian Overshone, obviously a well-known player, a leader for the team. Quinn Ewers was the one speaking in the video that Texas promoted. 
And you're not really seeing that from Hudson Card. And I know that probably sounds silly and probably sounds like just off-season talk because we're just trying to find anything to talk about. But that's not that's not a coincidence, I don't think. I think that that that's not un, or that's an intentional thing that I think Texas is doing. And it should be a wake-up call for Hudson Card because obviously he should have a little bit of an edge knowing the playbook, knowing, you know, what Sark demands, knowing how practices go, all of that, you know, his experience being at Texas. And if he's not, you know, looking at this and realizing, oh, I may be overlooked immediately before this kid ever takes a snap, you know, goes to practice and actually holds a football, then, you know, he's got it. He's got to really wake up, I think, a little bit right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. We will have uh, plenty of quarterback talk coming on uh, in the weeks to come. Again, two. No, not not here, right? Spring football, March 22nd. But it is Big 12 basketball tournament week. And the uh, the Texas women are a top 10 team and the number three seed. They will start on Friday. The men are the four seed and they will take on TCU on Thursday in Kansas City. The early game, the 1130 a.m. game. And uh, they beat TCU in Fort Worth by 23. It was easily the most convincing road game true road game that Texas played this year. I mean, TCU is projected as an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. So this is a team that you have to respect. And TCU led Texas by by 10 uh, in the game in Austin. And Texas came back and won it. And, um, you know, this to me was sort of the beginning of, of Texas showing that they can finish games, attack, the basket, get to the free throw line, do what they got to do to win games. But this, this will be a good test of Texas's, you know, where their mindset is because they played really well in a loss at Kansas. It took them to overtime. Courtney Ramey played brilliantly in that game, scoring and defending uh, Ochai Abaji, uh, probably going to be the, you know, I mean, the story of the year really in the, in the big 12 kind of came out of nowhere. The guy was just a monster for the Jayhawks and Courtney Ramey shut him down for the second time. And guess what? If Texas beats TCU, they're probably going to play Kansas. So, um, you know, in the other half of the draw, you have the two teams that swept Texas this year, Baylor and Texas tech. So you're not quite sure what you want um, because, uh, we talked about it last week. The Big 12 is going to probably, well, they're going to get six teams in if TCU gets in. And right now they have two number one seeds uh, in you know most of the bracketology in Kansas and Baylor. So uh, this is going to be fun. I mean, Chris Beard wants his team playing its best basketball uh, right now. And he doesn't look at the Big 12 tournament the way Rick Barnes did, which Rick Barnes looked at the Big 12 tournament as a waste. Like, why would I put my team through, you know, playing three games in three days and then turn right around and, you know, start the NCAA tournament next week and have my guys be all gassed. So Chris Beard doesn't think like that. Chris Beard says, we want championships. We're going for it. And, uh, and so TCU first up for the Longhorns. So Chip, I'm curious for your take on this. 
are you, because I'll say my, personally, I kind of more side with Rick Barnes on that a little bit, you know, unless you're in a situation like Texas was in, say, you know, last year when they were on the bubble of even making the NCAA tournament and then they ended up winning the Big 12 tournament, which got them, you know, a, a place in the NCAA tournament. However, if you're a team that's already kind of a lock for the NCAA tournament, I kind of side more with Rick Barnes on that as in why would I really want to put my my uh, team through the same thing for baseball too? Honestly, the Big 12 baseball tournament, I feel kind of the same way unless, you know, you're um, potentially fighting for a postseason, you know, regional type of, of a slot or something. I think both of those tournaments are kind of irrelevant. And I'm curious what side you're on. Are you more on the Chris Beard? You know, we're going to play every single game we can possibly play and win championships. Or are you more on the Rick Barnes? Like let's rest the guys and get them ready for the NCAA tournament. Well, I see it both ways. And I, I see Chris Beard's mindset, especially with this team that he threw together out of the transfer portal. He sees every time that they take the floor as a growth experience because, you know, it, it was like speed dating. They, <laughs> They grabbed seven, you know, kids out of the portal and all they had to go by was references and stats. And you don't know how they're going to take hard coaching and, and, you know, it's been up and down. There's no question about it. I mean, it's uh, you know, Trey Mitchell, a guy who was, was key in Texas's win over Kansas um, earlier this year in Austin's no longer with the team and you know, I've said this on the flagship podcast now for a couple of weeks, I'm hearing he's not coming back. So, uh, this Texas team is having had to remake itself over the last five games and, uh, they've done a good job. I mean, I think they've, they've, they have taken it up a step, their intensity, their aggressiveness, several different guys have shown they can, um, you know, take over late in stretches of games from Marcus Carr to Timmy Allen to Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey. And they need all of those guys to be playing at their best now because um, this is where it's going to get, uh, this is where it matters. Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about it last week. If Chris Beard wins one game in the NCAA tournament this year, he's outperformed Shaka Smart in the NCAA tournament the last six years. So, um, I think in this situation, I'm going to go with Chris Beard's mindset just because he's still, they're still learning about each other and trying to get to that next level with this, you know, boy band type of uh, way that they created this team, uh, throwing all these guys together and saying, Hey, go, go win a national championship. And, and Chris Beard continues to say, he thinks this team is one of those, you know, teams that can get there. I listen, their defense is so tough. We just have to see them make shots um, because they went four of 23 from three uh, in the loss to Baylor here in their final game at the Irwin center. And it was hard to watch um, every guy that they've been counting on to hit shots from Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Chase Febris. They couldn't hit anything. And when that happens, with three of your best shooters all missing, you have uh, a, a tough performance like that. But, um, you know, I I see where Chris Beard's coming from in this instance. Okay. I'm, I was curious about that. I don't think we ever talked about that. But, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. It does make sense. You know, more, 
I guess, experience of them playing together under their belt. But do you want to be saying that in March? Right, right. Well, I mean, Chris, I, I <laughs> Chris Beard and Vic Schaefer both don't. I mean, I and I want to be fair to both of them because I think they they do get it. They're teachers. Everyone sees them yelling and screaming at their players and thinks, my God, these guys are fire breathing dragons. But That's they do thing. get it. Nice. They do give their teams a day off, um, mm-hmm. you know, after a, a, a tough long weekend, whatever, or a tough stretch where, the, you know, two games in three days, something like that. But um, both these coaches right now are pedal, pedal down. So speaking of that, the women, uh, Rory Harmon, the freshman named Big 12 freshman of the year uh, this week and named to the all Big 12 defensive team and the all big 12 freshman team and Taylor, you know, I love the way this team is playing. They are, they're on a roll right now and they're going to have a tough test uh, in the opening of this, you know, big 12 tournament because they have to face Kansas state and six foot six uh, center Ioka Lee, who's, you know, first team all big 12. She's one of the toughest matchups in the conference, but Texas has handled K state this year. And um, Lauren Ebo, the six foot four senior for Texas, playing her best basketball right now. This this Texas women's team is fun to watch, and you can tell uh, by watching Vic Schaefer, listening to Vic Schaefer, he likes where his team is right now. And and by you know getting the third seed, uh, they will be uh, they're in the same half as Iowa State, and not in the same half as Baylor. So uh, Baylor swept them this year and Texas swept Iowa state. So I think Texas got as good a, a situation as they could have wanted right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, there's a part of me that like, when we talk about like, you know, Baylor sweeping Texas, that whole scenario, I mean, you know, their, their original game, their first matchup was supposed to be in the beginning of January. It ended up being pro- postponed and then they play each other Friday and then the, the following Sunday. And it's kind of like, come on. Like, yes, they did sweep them. But a part of me is like, I would love to see that rematch at some point just to see, you know, how they truly do match up. Because, I mean, right now, Texas women's are going in on, what, an eight-game winning streak entering the Big 12 tournament. Yep. And and they've just been dominating. And, um, you know, speaking of them, it was really cool to see that the fans that did come out and support them in the final basketball regular season basketball game at the Irwin center. I think that Texas announced there was like around 12,000 fans. I think they said, right. Yeah. And that's so amazing. And, you know, I believe they ended up raising a lot of money, you know, Vic Schaefer pledged $10,000 if they got 10,000, um, you know, fans in there. And then Michael Huff followed it up with his own and then plenty of, you know, businesses came through and also pledged it. So for the uh, neighborhood Longhorn uh, program, so that that was cool too but like these these ladies like they deserve it. I mean seriously, like if you actually go through how dominant they have been in the last, you know, 8 games, the closest game that they have played, I'm looking right now, is 70 to 60. Oh, yeah, 70 to 60 I believe was the close Oh no, I'm sorry. Texas Tech was the closest one on February 9th and they won 61 to 56. Aside from that, it was 70 to 60 against Kansas. Those are the closest games they've played in since February 9th. 
when uh, they, you know, started this streak that they're on. So this, as you mentioned, this is a fun team to watch. I think there's a lot of talent. And if, when you're talking about Vic Schaefer and Chris Beard, they're both, as you mentioned, kind of fire breathing dragons a little bit, but like these, these women are playing for Vic Schaefer and Vic Schaefer, you can tell the, that his passion for this team too. I mean, he, he, his words struck home with a lot of Texas fans, you know, when he said that this is ridiculous, that there was only 2,500 fans out there when they're, you know, a top 10 team. And he was right. He absolutely is right. And I know, you know, living in Austin, it, there's a lot of different things you can do. It's not like how it was when he was at, you know, Mississippi State and in Starkville. I can't imagine there's a, I've never been there, but I can't imagine there's a ton to do except support Mississippi State athletics. So it was really, I think that, you know, he, he may coach hard, but you could tell that he loves these, these girls hard and they, they love him and they're, they're playing for him and fighting for him. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fun to watch right now. And uh, Texas fans, if you're not watching Texas women's basketball, you should definitely tune in because this is a special team. I think that we're seeing come together here at the right time too. Yeah. And they're fun to watch because they press, they run, um, they, they play an entertaining brand of basketball. They get up and down the floor and they make, um, you know, they put pressure on the other team. They turn turnovers into points. Uh, that's their go-to. And, and so, um, yeah, check them out. And, you know, they got three seniors, Joanne, uh, Alan Taylor, Audrey Warren, and Lauren Ebo, and they all have COVID-19 redshirt seasons remaining if, you know, if it works out for them and for Vic Schaefer. So that's something to keep an eye on because uh, Joanne Allen Taylor is, you know, has been a, a big time uh, force for this team the last two years. Same with Audrey Warren and Lauren Ebo. If you'd have told me two months ago, you know, any chance Lauren Ebo's back for another year, I'd have said no, but she's bought into what Vic is selling. Um, and now she's, you know, playing her best basketball. So keep an eye on that. All right, Taylor, let's touch on baseball before we get to love it or leave it. And baseball still number one, they go to Houston. They, they rake and, and pound on number 17, Tennessee, and they pound on number seven LSU. And then they suffer their first loss of the season on Sunday against UCLA they lose five to one. Tanner Witt was a late scratch, the starting pitcher. He had some uh, muscle soreness above the elbow and his throwing um, arm. So it was precautionary. Uh, but Lucas Gordon ends up getting the start. The bats kind of uh, fall silent and they lose that game, but maintain their number one ranking. And this week, take on uh, Texas State Tuesday and Wednesday. And then uh, go to South Carolina, South Carolina team who, um, you know, was a ranked baseball team last year, lost four, you know, big time uh, position players. And so started the season unranked and South Carolina just got swept by Clemson last weekend. So uh, this South Carolina team it looks like it's trying to figure things out from a pitching standpoint. They have an ace in Will Sanders who is going to, you know, that'll be a great matchup against Pete Hansen. And then the story for South Carolina is this freshman, Michael Braswell, who he's an infielder. He's a pitcher. He's their best hitter. 
And this guy is fun to watch. I mean, he is, um, he's just kind of blowing people away because he can do it all. And as a freshman, you, you don't, um, you don't always see that, you know, a guy who, who will play shortstop one game and pitch the next, but, uh, and, and he's their best hitter. So kind of like Brooks Kieschnick back in the day for the Texas Longhorns, but, um, should be fun to see how, how Texas, uh, bounces back from that loss to UCLA. Yeah. And I think that if you're talking about Texas right now, I mean, obviously Tanner Witt, as you mentioned, was a late scratch on Sunday, but the, the pitching continues to just be absolutely dominant. Now I will say, unfortunately, Pete Hansen finally did give up some earned runs. So uh, his perfect streak is not there still, but Tristan Stevens is, I mean, he still has yet to give up an earned run and, you know, three Saturday starts and, um, you know, he's pitched 19 innings and then you have uh, Pete Hansen, you know, he's uh, had three starts. He is a 0.53 ERA currently in 17 innings pitched. Um, you know, you hope that Tanner Witt comes through and is this is not a lingering type of issue that he is dealing with. But it, as long as that pitching staff chip continues the way it's going, it, especially the Friday, Saturday night guys like this, this is you're watching a very, very special team. I'll say that. And I would take, I mean, you saw what they did to Tennessee and LSU. I mean, those are not some scrub teams at all. You know, those are ranked teams. And a lot of people, I think prior to the, um, what was it called? The Shriners hospitals for children college classic. I think that's what it was called. I may be butchering it, but people are like, well, Texas hasn't really been tested yet too much, you know? And it's like, well, there's your test, you know? And they, they dominated. They won seven to two against the number 17 ranked team in Tennessee. They won six to one against LSU. I mean, say what you will about them not being tested. Like this is a team I think that I would probably take in almost every single game that they, they, uh, they play, especially a Friday, Saturday game. Yeah. And that, that Tennessee game was, was something. I mean, if you watched, um, Tennessee freshman pitcher, Chase Burns, he was as good as Hanson. And, you know, he, I think he ended up going, uh, he ended up going five innings. Hanson went six innings mm -hmm. and Texas couldn't hit Burns. It was only when they went to their bullpen, uh, that Texas, you know, started knocking the cover off the ball and, um, you know, the ERA just ballooned for Tennessee once Chase Burns left the game. Um, uh, but you're right. I mean, you look at the, you look at the Texas pitching and you just have so much confidence because, uh, you're going to the bullpen, you're getting Travis Staley, you're going and getting Andre Duplantier, um, you're getting Luke Harrison, you're getting, you know, Jared Southern and then Aaron Nixon, Aaron Nixon has had some tough situations where guys have been on base a uh, couple instances where he walked them full and then, you know, got back-to-back -back strikeouts to get out of the inning. There's a toughness that we're seeing from Aaron Nixon now as a sophomore that just makes you feel good because there were some moments last year as a freshman where it got away from him and, and you want to see him be able to gather himself in those tough situations where he's going to have to come in and maybe inherit a, a base runner or two and, and get Texas out of the jam and, and he's done it so far. So I think, uh, I think Texas, you know, should handle business this week, but let's see how they, let's see how they bounce back.
Yeah, Aaron Nixon has what two saves, I think, so far on the year. Is that what I think that's right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, pitching is so crucial in baseball. And I mentioned this last week. I mean, look at if you want to look at it being crucial, look at the Texas Rangers. I mean, when Nolan Ryan was involved in the organization, like he put an emphasis on their pitching staff. And that's when the Texas Rangers played for a World Series. They were what one out away from winning it. Um, sorry, Rangers fans, if I brought up a bad memory, I know that's a sore subject, but still, and it's like the minute that, you know, they got Nolan Ryan out of the equation and just relied on the front office people, the suits to make those calls, they've been terrible. And it's like, look at what's changed. It's the pitching. The pitching is so crucial in baseball. And, um, you know, I mean, my brother was a pitcher. He at Pepperdine, he was their Sunday starter at Pepperdine under uh, Andy Lopez when he used to be the coach there. He only played one year because he was a transfer. Um, you know, he he actually he had a weird kind of situation with you know, my brother passed away when he was going into college. So he actually went to junior college and redshirted so he could be around our family. Stuck around like he was drafted out of high school out of junior college twice and then went to Pepperdine for one year. And, you know, his his pitching came through so big in one season, he went from an unknown name to a first round draft pick. And, you know, it just goes to show like how not only how crucial it can be for a team, but how crucial it can be for a player to really step up and be those guys. And you're seeing that, especially in Pete, the starters and Pete Hansen, Tristan Stevens, Tanner Wood, obviously it has played well. And you, you know, if you're a Texas fan, you want to see him back out there, but they have a, a lot of depth at, at pitcher and they have a, a big, you know, a, a stacked bullpen, as you had mentioned, you know, Aaron Nixon, two saves still yet to give up an earned run. I mean, that's, that's pretty big. So I think that, um, this is a really good situation for Texas and you want to see hopefully the offense can kind of um, pick up if there is a situation where they need them to. But as of right now, there really hasn't been too many situations where the offense is needing to come through and pull this team out of a slump, I guess, against UCLA a little bit. But um, that was a, a kind of unique situation with Tanner Witt being a late scratch uh, right before the game there. Yeah, and you got to love what Murphy Staley's doing at the DH position. He's the best hitter on the team right now, 409. Um, and, you know, he batted 500 over the weekend. So you're you're happy with that because you didn't know, uh, like we've talked about, how do you replace Zach Zubia, that offense, Cam Williams, Mike Antico. Well, you're doing it with, you know, with Doug Hodo kind of taking over where Mike Antico left off. You're, you know, Murphy Staley's hitting and – and Ivan Melendez, what can you say? They're calling him the Hispanic Titanic because he's <laughs> just he's just obliterating the baseball. He's got uh, he's got three home runs, but it feels like those are the longest home runs we've seen all year. So, um, all yeah. right, his home yeah. run in that um, you yeah, know animated like, disappeared. Yeah, it was like, like, no one no one saw where the ball back. landed. <laughs> yeah. Where to go? Yeah, I thought I thought it was funny. Just a random thought to Marvin Overshawn. I saw his tweet um, over the weekend when Texas baseball tweeted out um, Ivan Melendez home run there. And he goes, I think this ball just busted my window, dot, dot, dot. And I'm in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, where'd that ball go? No one knows. <laughs> I mean, that was insane. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's uh, let's grab some love it or leave it. All right, Chip, before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a very quick break, but stick around. We have some more football, basketball, 
um, in March Madness talk uh, coming up in Love It or Leave It. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. In case you miss Monday's episode of the flagship podcast, uh, definitely tune in. We had longtime UT uh, color analyst for Texas athletics, Roger Wallace on. He was great in kind of talking about both Texas or not both, but Texas, you know, basketball, baseball, and uh, some spring football. So definitely tune into that if you have not had the chance to. But with that said, Chip, you ready for some love there, leave it? Absolutely. And I second uh, everybody uh, tuning in to, to what Roger Wallace uh, has to say about uh, Texas you know, football, basketball, baseball, great conversation. Yeah, for sure. All right. My first one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. Ryan Watts or Terrence Brooks will be a starting cornerback for Texas in 2022. I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this. I think it's Ryan Watts right now. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, the guy is, has come in, um, 
you know, moves incredibly well for a guy who's six, three, isn't afraid to get up on people at the line and has the confidence of a guy who's played at Ohio state. And, uh, and then you look at Terrence Brooks, who's sort of like Ryan's little brother. They're both from little Elm. Um, Terrence Brooks was committed to Ohio state. Now they're both at Texas, um, a windfall for Texas at the cornerback position in my opinion, but yeah, people are talking about Ryan Watts like a freak. And so I'm going to love this Taylor. I think, um, as I said a little earlier in the, in the show, Ryan Watts has joined Isaiah Nayor as, uh, an immediate impact newcomer, uh, that I'm willing to like put my, you know, put my, uh, you know, put my name on whatever I got to do. I'll, I'll, I'll wear that. I love this. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love this too. And, and I also, Chip, personally, I'm a big fan of big cornerbacks. You know, I think that you go back to even, you know, when Charlie Strong was the coach and there was, you know, brought in Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, Devonte Davis. I mean, those guys, especially I think in the big 12, when there's so much talent at wide receiver, you need a guy that's not only going to be able to keep up with the receivers in the conference from a speed standpoint, but you also need guys that can break up the ball and like having a, a corner that is six foot three and um, I'm trying to see 209 pounds and rats. I mean, that that's something Texas didn't really have last year. They didn't really have that. I think in 2020, I mean, it's been a while since Texas has had those big corners. I know a lot of times they're, they're hard to come by. And a lot of times the taller they get, you know, the slower they are. So they are more looked at as more of a safety nickel type of player. But I think, I think if you can find a corner that has the height and the speed that Ryan walks can bring to the table, you, I, I'm always probably, nine times out of 10, at least going to chalk them up as somebody who's going to be a starter or a difference maker at that position. So, you know, from uh, everything they're hearing in winter conditioning and just, um, you know, looking at the position as a whole, I think there's no doubt that Ryan Watts probably is the, the, you know, second starter at cornerback aside on the other side of Deshaun Jameson, but, you know, Terrence Brooks has a chance to really um secure some playing time too so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna love it and say that texas at that second corner position is in a good situation with both of those guys who you know i really do think could step up and um and clearly obviously if they're willing to move keaton crawford to safety you know who's a you know corner i think that it goes to show what the staff is feeling and their their confidence level in that other starting um, corner position. So I'm going to agree and love that too. All right. Numero dos. Second one is love it or leave it right now. Chris Beard's team feels like it will win one game in the NCAA tournament before bowing out. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope they win one game, at least one game. Um, look, they're projected as a five seed right now in most bracketology. Uh, which means they'll be favored to to win that 5-12 um, game, and then they'll take on most likely a four seed. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this because I think I think this team could get to the Sweet 16. So I'm I'm gonna give Chris Beard. He's got a 10 and four record in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, he's, he reached the national championship game. 
um, in, in 2019. And, you know, I just think these guys are playing good enough defense that they'll find scoring. And when you have to prepare for Chris Beard's team on short notice, which will be the case if they win their first round game, they'll turn around two days later and play someone that team will have, you know, that they won't have enough time to prepare for, for Texas defensively. I, I think, I think this Texas team can get to the sweet 16 and then everybody will look at this season and say, wow. You know, I mean, they'll just look at it completely differently than they do right now when they think back on Texas getting swept by Texas tech and Baylor. So, um, I'm going to leave this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I, oh man. So, okay. Th this is where I'm a little torn. I, the, if Texas is a five seed, I know I th I've said this before, but that five and 12 matchup is usually one right. that I'm like, oh, there's an upset brewing. And since I've seen so many Texas basketball <laughs> upsets in the NCAA tournament, part of me is like, oh gosh, like if they're a five seed, I, it's going to be hard for me <laughs> to feel very confident about them. But I'm going to take the seeding out of it for now. And I think that Texas, you know, obviously has a chance, a good chance to break the negative streak of not, you know, winning an NCAA tournament game since Lord knows how long ago, since when Rick Barnes was, even in Rick Barnes last year, they didn't win, right? They lost in the first round, I think. I, I don't even know how long. I, I'm not going to rehash history and make Texas fans angry. So I'm going to say, I'm going to love this. Actually, I'm going to say that they're going to win one game and then bow out. Just, I feel like it's hard for me to give too much, um, you know, hype going into the NCAA tournament. Cause I feel like every year that Texas and the last, you know, half of a decade or longer has actually made it. It's not been that way. So yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to love it and say one and done for Texas basketball. Okay. All right. Number three, Number three, love it or leave it, Rory Harmon will end up being for Texas women's basketball what TJ Ford was for Texas men's basketball. You know what? I, I'm i feeling it right now. Uh, Rory Harmon named Big 12 Freshman of the Year uh, this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this um, in part because Vic Schaefer knows how to get his teams um, – deep in the tournament. I mean, he, he got to the elite eight last year with six players who he'd never coached before. Um, and it was amazing. They did it with, I mean, they MacGyvered their way, uh, to the elite eight, but they shut down the number one offensive team last year in Maryland to get to the elite eight. They got smoked by South Carolina, uh, in the elite eight. But again, this was a team that was getting it done with bailing wire. So, you know, now he's got an elite point guard in Rory Harmon. And I do see some similarities, you know, between her and TJ Ford, the point guard who took Texas to the final four in 2003. Now TJ was an assist machine. Rory is, you know, she's averaging almost five assists per game, led the big 12, it leads the big 12 in steals. season still going on. And in her second game at Texas, she scored a team high 21 points in an upset of defending national champion Stanford in Palo Alto. So she's fearless. And I just think this, she's just scratching the surface. Um, I just think that she has a chance with the talent that Vic Schaefer's recruiting here, uh, that 
I think she goes to a final four before it's all said and done. So I'm going to love this. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to love it too. I think that, you know, when you see a player come in and be as consistently, like perform as consistently well as she has and then really shine as a freshman, I think you have to expect a lot more from her. You know, I mean, she's just getting used to Vic Schaefer too, as he's getting used to her as a, a point guard. And, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I mean, I have a question for you. When you say she can bring Texas to a final four, is that this year or do you think it's down the road? It may not be this year. Okay. Um, you know, I think there's some tough matchups out there. Obviously Baylor's size is, is tough for anyone, but, um, it may be two years from now or, yeah. you know, or maybe even, you know, but when she's a senior, but I, I think she, I think she helps lead Texas to a final four before she leaves. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. I think that this is a really, um, but they're the seventh ranked team right now, Taylor. So who knows? I mean, it could happen. It could happen. If you're going in too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, when you see a, a freshman come in and make the impact that she has, um, you you automatically are going to like raise your expectations for her. And um, I do, I do think that you know she's playing really, really well as a very young and green player at the college level. And you know, especially with Vic Schaefer, he's known to develop players and you know really get the most out of his teams. And if he can get the most out of Rory Harmon, then yeah, I totally see this being. Uh, similar to a TJ Ford for what he was to Texas men's basketball. So I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to love it too. All right. There you have it, kids. Um, go check out the flagship podcast interview with Roger Wallace, the longtime uh, color analyst on Longhorns athletic broadcasts and 27 years at KXAN. That's wild. Come on, guys. Wild. guys He's been there for our only, people. well, I was going to say like almost as long as I've been alive, but not really. I'm giving myself a little bit too much. <laughs> I'm a little older than 27, but <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. You don't hear that very often nowadays with people being the same spot, especially in media. Like, come on. <laughs> to go, Roger. There you go, Roger. Kudos. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Flagship Podcast. We're inching our way toward spring football and of course march madness is here and we'll be back to recap it all next week and uh for taylor estes i am chip brown until next time we'll see you over at horns 247.com until uh until then stay safe and keep the faith okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.